You're listening to a Centro Church podcast. Cool. Can we can we actually extend that thank you to all of our leaders as well? Can we give it up for our our oh, leaders that volunteer their time? They sow into these teenagers. They have such a passion. And uh, it couldn't be done without them, and they're incredible. We have some incredible leaders. And in fact, we finished, we had our last night on Friday, our Oscars celebration. It was a great night of celebration and honour, and uh, we had a great time together. And we've had 225 teenagers through the door this year, uh, which is incredible. Uh, You're part of that. You know, we've had so many people through the doors and uh, we've seen God move like Pastor Tim was talking about, people saved, and it's just been an incredible, incredible thing. Um, And I do want to thank you personally, myself as well, for your prayers, for your prayers. We we know you are praying because we see the evidence of it. We see how it affects us and we thank you for your prayers for our youth ministry, for the youth of Ipswich, uh, for Dina and I personally, and for our team as well. We thank you for those prayers, and we ask you continue to pray um, because prayer is powerful, and I'm grateful that I'm part of a praying church. Um, and I could, and I want to thank you as well for your support. If you volunteer uh, in youth, I want to thank you for that. Um, and if you, you know, give, then you're supporting us as well and your encouragement as well. And if you see a youth leader, and if you don't know who they are, I won't make them stand up, but you can just ask them. Um, they're generally a young adult age, and you can just ask if they're a youth leader and thank them. Thank them for what they do. Thank you for the time and energy that they sow in. Encourage them. Uh, it does make a difference. And uh, I could stand up here and talk about youth for half an hour, uh, but I won't do that. Um, We're going to continue our series this morning on how to spell love, on how to spell love. And John Porter uh, spoke last week about sacrificial love being the foundation. And if you didn't get a chance to catch that, I'd encourage you to watch it online. You could watch it on our YouTube or on our Facebook. Uh, And it was a great message. And um, he spoke from our foundational scripture which I'd like to um, share with you as well this morning, which is from Isaiah 9, verses 6 to 7. And it says this, For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you that you gave us your son. And God, I pray this morning uh, that you would just bring revelation and transformation. Holy Spirit, speak to me, speak through me and speak to the hearts that are listening, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, everyone said, Amen. Now, you may not know this, uh, but I once was a child. I know it's surprising. Um, And and like, you know, comparatively to this verse, right, um, as a son, I was given to my parents. Um, I was, you know, God blessed my parents with me. Blessed being the key word there. Um, And obviously, like, it's very clear. My name is Jonathan, which if you don't know what Jonathan means, it means gift from God. Um, So you just decide for yourself who the best child is. I think you will know. Um, and like this verse said, I was called many names as well. And uh, when my parents needed to get my attention, they would call me many names. Generally, it would go like this. Sam, Dan, Beck, Rach, Chris, Johnny. 
So eventually, after the six kids, they would get to me, uh, right? Because you've got to forgive them. They have six kids, and so they forget our name all the time and call us so many different things, right? But as a son, I was given tasks and chores to do, as many people were. I'm sure that you all had tasks to do and chores when you were younger. And in return, my parents took care of me. They fed me. They clothed me. They provided for me. They... Uh, I had a place to sleep and all these kind of things, right? And some of these tasks were doing the dishes, uh, feeding the dog, mowing the lawn, cleaning my room, and many, many more. I was pretty much a slave, um, if you put it in that context, right? I pretty much was, right? But they provided me, so it was good. Um, But still, nevertheless, I committed to completing the tasks, right? Because the tasks were for a good cause, for a good cause. The cause was to keep things in order, to keep things healthy, to keep things alive, and keep things moving forward. For example, if I, there were times when I was uncommitted to these tasks. And uh, if I didn't mow the lawn, then the lawn became overgrown, uh, and potentially there were snakes in there or dangerous things, and it became a dangerous place. It became chaotic because it was all overgrown and all over the place, and we couldn't use it for what its purpose was. Or if I didn't wash the dishes, then there wouldn't be a dish for us to eat our next meal on because it would be dirty, right? And so we couldn't use that for its purpose. And so a lack of commitment actually creates disorder. It creates debilitation. It creates death and actually results in things being dormant. And the same actually applies in our walk with Jesus. The same applies because... If we are uncommitted, then these things can happen. But if we are committed, and I want to be a part of a committed church, I hope you do too. If we are committed, I want to be a part of a church that is aligned, we're active, we're alive, and we're advancing forward. That's the church that I want to be a part of, not the opposite of that. And we see in this verse that Isaiah is prophesying about Jesus about the son that would be given to us. And I ask myself, why? Why did Jesus come? Why did he come from his throne of glory in heaven in this perfect place to come down into our mess, to take on humanity and all our weakness and vulnerability and emotions and hunger and all these kind of things, right? Why would he do that? And the Bible gives us the answer And this verse that I'm about to read is a very well-known verse. But I want to challenge our thinking for a moment. Because sometimes when we hear this verse, we can sometimes fall into the trap of just being like, oh yeah, that's a nice verse. We all know that verse. It's a bit of a cliche verse, right? Um, You know, it's, it's all nice and good. But this is actually so important. This is actually the truth. This is actually speaks to why... Jesus was given to us. And it, of course, is John 3.16, which says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God's love is the reason. God's love is the reason that Jesus was sent to us. And we see through Jesus what true love is. True love is to be committed both to a cause and a person. Jesus was committed to us. He came down to earth. He took on our humanity. 
And he was committed to a cause, the cause of the cross, to go and die for our sins, to take the punishment for what we were destined for. That's what Jesus did. He committed to us and to a cause. And this theme of commitment is actually found all throughout the Bible. You know, it's, it's found all throughout the Bible. And commitment, I want to put to you this morning, is one of the ways in which we spell love. And when you think of commitment, what do you think of? Generally, the first thing that might pop into your mind is relationships, right? That's kind of an easy one. In a relationship, you need to be committed to one another. And not just romantic relationships, right? Of course, marriage requires commitment to one another. Uh, but also friendships require commitment to one another. Um, parents and you know children require commitment to one another. Siblings require commitment. Any relationship that you have requires commitment. And we know that love is an essential part of relationship. That love, that commitment is an essential part of a relationship. And love isn't just this nice feeling or emotion that bubbles up inside. And sure, that's an element of it. But we know that love is actually an action. It's a way of life. It's a way of doing things. And I don't know everyone in the room today, but I don't know if you know this, that God actually desires a personal relationship with you. He desires a personal commitment, a personal love and relationship with you, which is based out of his love, based out of his love for us. And when we talk about our relationship with God, uh, we see in Scripture and we talk about the different aspects of this relationship. And so an aspect of a relationship with God might be God as a friend, right? or God as a father, or God as a teacher. There's one relationship that uh, we don't talk about all that often, but I just want to bring to our attention this morning, uh, which is a partnership with God, a partnership with God, which is just working alongside someone to accomplish a goal together. And we see this type of relationship, this partnership, all throughout Scripture. And another name for this um, partnership is a covenant, is a covenant relationship. And we see covenants all around us today, right? Who here is married in the room? Yeah, we got some married people. You've entered into a covenant with your spouse, right? You are at the altar and you made vows and you made promises to one another and you entered into this covenant relationship. Who's ever made a business deal, right? A contract was drawn up. That's, a, that's essentially a covenant, right? Promises were made, I'll pay this amount of money for these services or this product. A covenant, and we see it in government as well. And I just want to share four examples uh, in the Old Testament where God initiates this covenant relationship. And in a covenant, God makes certain promises and then asks his partner to fulfill certain commitments, right? So the first one is Noah. And you can find it in Genesis 9, verse 8 to 17. For sake of time, I won't read all the scriptures out. Um, but what just happened is God sent a flood to, to rid the earth of evil, killing all living creatures except for Noah and those on the ark. But God promises in this covenant to never do it again, to never uh, kill all living creatures and destroy the earth. And what is required of Noah then? Well, interestingly, nothing is required of Noah in this covenant. It's the only one that we see where nothing is required. And 
God knows that people will be evil. God knows that people are eventually going to turn to being evil. But despite that, he will be faithful even though he knows humans won't be. I think that's a great promise for us, right? That God will be faithful even though he knows we will fail. Even though he knows we will turn away, God will always be faithful. And then we see Abraham in Genesis 12 and in 17 as well, you see it. And God promises that he'll be a father of many nations. God promises that all families of the earth will be blessed through him. And he asks Abraham to trust God and teach his family to do what is right and just. And then Abraham's family grows quite large and it becomes this nation, the nation of Israel, right? And we find that the nation of Israel is given a set of laws, the Ten Commandments. And God asks them to obey this set of laws, which are guidelines for living well as a community of God's partners, right? That's what they're there for. And God promises to bless them. And he promises that they will be a representation of God to the rest of humanity. And then later on, we further down the track, King David is leading Israel. And we see in 2 Samuel 7, and he's asked by God to lead Israel in obeying the laws and doing what is right and just. And God promises that one of David's sons will become will come and extend God's peace and blessing over all nations, which we read in our foundational scripture that he was from the line of David. And we see these four covenants in the Bible, right? And I, I made a covenant with my wife uh, when we got married. Uh, and then we, you know, moved into a house together. And uh, we made we didn't exactly call them covenants, but we made deals and things like this around, you know, housework and these kind of things. It's good to talk about it to make sure it gets done and these kind of things. And uh, so we made this deal. Uh, Dina promised that she would hang out the washing uh, if I committed to picking up the dog poo. Uh, so we have a dog called Bonnie, uh, best dog in the world. Uh, if you get to meet her, then you'll know why. Um, she's very cute. And, uh, but she does, unfortunately, like every dog, um, poo, right? And so I had to commit to picking that up. And so there were times when I was uncommitted to that. I forgot to do it or I was lazy, let's be honest, or, uh, you know, something happened, whatever. And so the washing didn't get, get hung out because Dina didn't want to step all in the poo or it was smelly and didn't want the clothes to fall in, all these kind of things, right? And so I didn't hold up my end, and so the promise then wasn't fulfilled. And we see in these four covenants that I just talked about, what happened? Well, Israel broke the covenants, didn't they? We knew that this was going to happen. They broke them. Uh, They served other gods. They didn't obey these laws. They weren't doing what was just and right. And so they lost their land, and they were sent into exile. And during this time... Israel's prophets were talking about a time when God would restore these covenants. God would come and restore these covenants. And we, you know, we see it in that in our foundational scripture, and they would call it as well the new covenant. The new covenant. And then Jesus came. Right from his throne of glory in heaven, he came to earth, he became a child, he became vulnerable and weak, he took on our humanity. 
and he came to fulfill all of these covenants. We find out that he's from the family of Abraham and he will be the one, Jesus will be the one to bring blessing to the whole world. He's the faithful Israelite who can truly obey all of the laws. And he's the king from the line of David. So Jesus comes and he fulfills these and he can only do this because of his greatest claim, which was that he is God. He is the son of God, right? Jesus is God become human. And he came to be that faithful covenant partner that we were supposed to be. But we kept falling short. We couldn't fulfill it. But Jesus came to step in that gap. And now we know that through Jesus, God has opened a way for anyone to be in a renewed partnership with him. Anyone. So if you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus, you have the opportunity to be. God has opened that way through his son, Jesus. And God actually calls people into his new covenant family, even though he knows we're going to fail. He knows we're going to fall short. God continues to call us to make us into better partners and be more and more faithful to him. So if you're a follower of Jesus here, then you are part of this new covenant relationship, right? And God has promises for us and he asks for a commitment. So how can we then partner, how can we the church, right, partner with God and commit to him, commit to his purposes, his will, his desire? Well, we know that commitment is love, right? To love someone is to commit to them. And commitment is the act of binding oneself to a course of action with a sincere and steadfast determination of purpose. Commitment is the act of binding oneself to a course of action with a sincere and steadfast determination of purpose. So what are you binding yourself to? What purpose are you sincere and determined to follow? We need to be following the purpose of of God, right? That's our answer. And our purpose is, in, in one way, is to share the good news of Jesus, right? Share the good news of Jesus. That's our purpose. And Jesus actually tells us what the good news is. In Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15, it says this, Later on, after John was arrested, Jesus went into Galilee where he preached God's good news. The time promised by God has come at last, he announced. The kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. The good news there, spoken by Jesus, is the kingdom of God is near. The kingdom of God is near. And so we need to align ourselves with that purpose of bringing the kingdom of God here to earth. Here and now, right now, bringing the kingdom of God. We need to commit to this. This is what we need to align ourselves with. This is what we need to bind ourselves with to move forward to that. And so how do we do this? How do we commit to, how do we bind ourselves to this purpose? Well, there's three things I believe that we need to commit to. And if we can commit to these things, then we can see the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven come to earth. Is that something that we want, church? 
Come on, let's get excited in the building, right? I think that's something to be excited about, heaven coming to earth. That is something to be excited about. And so we, the first thing that we need to commit to is our God, our God. That's the first thing we need to commit to, the f- first and foremost. In Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven, it says, Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. That's Jesus talking. He's telling us what the first and greatest commandment is. I, I would be listening, right? I'll be listening to what Jesus is saying is the greatest commandment. And what does this mean? What does it mean to commit to our God? It means that we need to be all in. We need to be all in. That means that God isn't second, third, fourth, or fifth on your list, right? That means that you don't kind of go, oh, I might go to church, I don't know, or I might, you know, read my Bible today, I don't know. It means that God is number one priority in daily life, in everything. God is number one priority daily in everything that you do. And we got to commit to God in this way by spending time with Him, right? Relationships work basing on time spent with one another. You got to turn up, right? And so spend time in prayer, praying to God, praying for our church, praying for those kind of things. Spend time in our Word, in our Bible, right? Reading what God has to say to us. Spend time in fellowship with one another, right? And we need to put God first in our relationships that we have. God needs to be the center of our relationships. We need to put God first in our finances, Right, We need to put God first in our time, where we spend our time. God should be number one priority in everything. We don't just rock up on a Sunday, like Pastor Tim just said, because it's a nice thing to do, it's a good thing to do or whatever. No, that's not, like it's important to come on a Sunday. I'll get to that in just a moment. But we need to be all in for God. He is number one. This is the reason we are here. This is the purpose for being alive, for living. He brings us purpose. Right? We don't just, we're so tempted to fall into our own selfish way, and I get that. We fall into our own selfish way all the time. But that's not our purpose here. Our purpose here is to see the kingdom of God come to earth. And so, firstly, we need to commit to our God. The second thing we need to commit to is we need to commit to our church. In Hebrews 10, verse 23 to 25, it says, Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep His promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of His return is drawing near. We need to be committed to our church. We need to turn up. So well done. You're here. You did it. You turned up. That's what commitment is. If there's any parents in the room, you would know that in order to be committed to your children, you need to turn up, right? You need to be there for them. Otherwise, it shows a lack of love. It shows a lack of commitment. You need to turn up. That's what commitment is. And I hope that you love our church. I hope that if you call Centro Church home, that you love it. We need to love our church. We should love our church, right? This is your church, right? This is our church. This is God's church. And so we need to love it and we need to be committed to it. We need to motivate one another 
to acts of love and good works, right? We need to motivate one another to be like, how can we bring the kingdom of God in our church, right? How can we do that? And, and one of the ways in which we do that is we serve. And there's so many areas you can serve and there's so many things you can do to serve. You can serve the vision of this church. You can serve the vision by sowing in financially. You can serve the vision by sowing in with your time, by joining a team. We've got so many teams that you can join. There's literally no excuse. Like you can't tell me that, oh, no, there's no team for me. No, there's a team for everyone. I can guarantee it. Whatever gifts and talents that you have, there's a team for you. You can help serve in, on creative, at the door, in kids and youth and whatever it is. There's so many different areas you can serve in. And that is what commitment looks like. That's what it looks like. It looks like serving. Because remember, we put God first. And so if God comes first, then we're going to serve in His church, right? That's how that works. The last thing is this, our world. We need to commit to our world. Matthew 28 verse 18 to 20 says this, Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. We need to commit to our world, right? This is the Great Commission. This is what God has called us to. And I've preached a couple of times up here. And I think I've probably mentioned this verse almost every time. Because it's, it's how calling, right? You know, sometimes we ask, oh God, what's my calling? What am I supposed to do with my life? And I believe that God has a specific calling for you. I do. But God has given us all a calling. If you're a follower of Christ, He has given us all a calling to go and make disciples. That's what we are called to do. And so talk to your neighbours. Talk to your colleagues at work. Talk to your family and friends that don't know Jesus. Talk to strangers. Talk to anyone. Right? This is what we are called to do and we have been given the authority to do it. We have been given the authority to do it. And if we can do this, we can see the kingdom of God come to our city. Jesus was committed to us because of his love for us. In the last part of our foundational scripture there, it says this. It says, the passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen. If we want to see the kingdom of God come to earth, if we actually want to see that, which you're a, if you're a follower of Christ here, you should say yes. I would be surprised if you said no. I'd be shocked, in fact. If we actually want to see the kingdom of God come to earth, the kingdom of God come to this church, the kingdom of God come to the city of Ipswich, the kingdom of God come to your workplace. If we actually want to see that, we need to get passionate your passionate commitment will make it happen. Don't look to your right. Don't look to your left. Your passionate commitment will make it happen. That's what's going to make it happen. You can make excuses till the cows come home, but that's what's going to make it happen. Your passionate commitment. Don't think, oh, I'm not gifted. Oh, you know, that's for the pastors to do. That's a load of rubbish. 
God has called you. God has made you. What makes the person next to you any better? Nothing. God has called you. He's designed you perfectly to be you. And if you can have this passionate commitment, we can see the kingdom of God touch earth, heaven come to earth. So what are you committed to? Is God number one in your life? How are you serving the church? How are you serving Centro? And are you making disciples? These are questions that we need to ask ourselves constantly. Daily, is God number one in my life? How am I serving the church and am I making disciples? Because we need to be passionately committed to doing this. We need to be passionately committed to loving God, to serve the church and reach others. It's that simple. Those three things, love God, serve the church and reach others. Church, if we can commit to this, if we can get a hold of this, man, there's exciting things that are going to happen. Right next year, we're looking to step out. We're looking to go out and we're going to make disciples. We're going to reach people, right? We've got to make sure that we first commit to loving God. And we commit to serving the church so that when we bring people in, we're equipped and ready to go, right? Commitment is how you spell love. God calls us to love like Jesus loved. And so how we do that is be committed. I want to be a part of a church, right? And Centro is this church. And so if you're a part of Centro, you've got to get on board. Because Centro is a church that is aligned, that is active, that is alive and advancing. We refuse to be stagnant. We we refuse to step backward. We refuse to be unhealthy, right? We're going to be alive, active, and moving forward, advancing the kingdom of God. And I'd love to pray for some people this morning. So if you could just close your eyes and bow your heads. No one's looking around. Maybe you're here and you've never before entered into this personal relationship with God. You've never before entered into this relationship. I'm here to tell you that God loves you so much. And through His Son, Jesus, through the cause that on the cross that He did for us, and His resurrection, we now have access to this relationship. We now have access to this friendship, to this uh, teacher, to this father, to this partner. And so I'd ask here, if there's anyone that hasn't yet entered into this relationship, you haven't said yes to Jesus, I want to give you that opportunity to commit to Him. It's the best decision you'll make in your life, I can guarantee it. So if that's you this morning, then I'll ask for you to just take a step of faith and just raise your hand up nice and high. If that's anyone in this place, you can raise it up right now. You can raise your hand up to say yes to Jesus, to say, I want to enter into this relationship with Him.
Thank you, God. And I want to pray for a second group of people. Maybe you're here, and as I was speaking about love and commitment, right, and committing to our God, our church, and our world, you were thinking, oh, maybe I haven't been doing that. Maybe God hasn't been number one in my life. Maybe I haven't been serving the church, serving the vision of the church. And uh, maybe you haven't been making disciples and stepping out in your workplace or your university or your schools or wherever it is. Then I want to pray for you this morning. If you want to take this thing seriously, if you want to commit to loving God, serving the church and reaching others, not just know about it, oh yeah, that's a nice thing, but actually do it. Put it into action. Love is an action. It's a way of life. That is what is required of us. If you want to recommit to this, to loving God, to serving the church and, re- and reaching others, commit to our God, our church and our world. If you want to recommit to this this morning, I'd ask for you to just, as a sign to God, more than anything, to just raise your hand up nice and high right now. Yeah, there's hands all over the place. My hand's up for this one for sure. I want to recommit to this. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. I love to pray for you guys. Dear God, thank you so much for your son, Jesus. Thank you that you were so committed to us, Jesus, that you came down, you took on our humanity, that you uh, died on the cross for our punishment. Lord, I thank you for the perfect example you are of this love, this commitment. And God, I pray this morning for everyone that raised their hand, Lord, and everyone in the building as well. Lord, that is wanting to recommit to to our God, to our church, and to our world. God, I pray that we can see heaven touch earth. We can see the kingdom of God come in Centro Church. We can see the kingdom of God come in the city of Ipswich, Lord. We can see the kingdom of God come in surrounding areas, Lord. Your reach is far beyond what we can understand. And God, we pray for these people, Lord, that you'd start a passionate fire within them, that they would have this passionate commitment, Lord, and they would be transformed from this day on. They would be transformed and go out and act on this, live this out as their way of life, to be committed to you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen, amen. I'm excited, church, for this coming season. If we can be passionately committed, that's what it's going to take. Passionate commitment will make this happen. Thank you so much, church. We're going to worship together now. Why don't you stand and we'll worship. Thank you for listening to this podcast. 